0: Welcome to the Episcopal Church of the Holy Communion. We're so glad you have joined us for this audio sermon. You can find a full archive of sermons on our website, holycommunion.net. This sermon was preached on April 26, 2020, as part of our live cast service for home for the third Sunday of Easter. The preacher is our rector, the Reverend Mike Angel in the name of the one living and true god. Amen. How do you recognize Jesus? The stories after Easter, they share a common thread. And Jesus' followers, they don't always recognize him, at least not at first. And Jesus is alive, but again and again we encounter a Jesus who is risen but also changed. And Jesus is back But life is not exactly as it once was. This story of the road to Emmaus that grace told for us, it's one of my favorites in all of scripture, in all of the gospels, because it always seems to have more to offer. Because Jesus takes time to reveal himself. Think about it. At no point does Jesus simply say, guys, it's me. He doesn't try and erase their hurt. This Jesus isn't in the business of making faith easy. Instead, he listens to their sorrow. He waits. They talk scripture together. He reframes their sense of what God might have been doing. As the shadows lengthen, they ask him to stay with them. They're worried for his safety. I doubt they're on the road alone. And so he consents. They head to an inn. They share a meal. He takes bread, blesses it, breaks it. And then they realize. They recognize Jesus. And he slips through their fingers again. And part of the appeal of this story for me is the sense of the elusive encounter. We get the impression that the resurrected Christ is playful. And present but not easy to pin down, isn't that like God? And Part of the appeal is the promise. Jesus will be known to us. Jesus is not departed and gone. Jesus is with us. Jesus is really present. We will catch glimpses of the divine. In part, I have to admit, Hearing this story today is also painful because Jesus is known on the road to Emmaus in the breaking of the bread, and we're unable to break bread together. Our quarantine means that we cannot celebrate the sacrament together. Your vestry can tell you this has been a struggle for me as your priest because Eucharist is one of the places I encounter Christ. Early in our social distancing planning, I was trying to figure out how to get Eucharist to everyone's houses. I was ready to line up a flotilla of cars down Delmar and pass out kits and to be delivered. And thankfully, your vestry said, Mike, communion may be important, but saving lives is more important. Stick with morning prayer. They were right. And anyway, communion from a package on the porch isn't the same thing. What I love is being together, seeing your faces as we share the body of Christ. And so today we'll try a prayer of spiritual communion. We'll follow the centuries-old teaching of saints that says, when we cannot receive the bread and wine, our longing to do so still can unite us to God. We'll pray through this longing. In the calculations to come, as we figure out what worship will look like, what life will look like, our longing is important. It's important to ask what we miss and why. It's important to sit with our longing, to interrogate, to evaluate, because the life that is coming on the other side of this disease, it's likely not to resemble the life that came before not exactly. On one level, this is cause for hope. I wouldn't wish this disease on anyone, on any community. And yet, the disease can be a teacher. If we can learn lessons from this disease, lessons about caring for the vulnerable, if we can help fewer folks live paycheck to paycheck, if we can ensure everyone has access to health care as a human right, If we can learn certain lessons from this time, the life that is coming may be an improvement on the life that we left behind. God, I hope we are willing to learn from this loss. So many have suffered. So many have already died. This disease is ugly. We won't take away the sorrow. We can't. But we can choose not to return exactly to how things were. We can hold leaders and systems accountable. We can demand change. The life that comes next is likely to come gradually. We're likely going to be moving out of this isolated and small way of living step by step. And I have to admit, I'm frustrated. I'm tired. I miss my church. I miss gathering together. I miss breaking bread with you around God's table. That longing, I think, is important. Because it reminds us that while we cannot go back to life as it was, while we cannot afford the systemic injustices that are exacerbating this crisis, we cannot allow those injustices to continue While all of that is true, there are elements of the life that came before worth fighting for, worth believing in. There are hopes worth hoping. Even when our plans must change, even when we don't know yet quite how to recognize Jesus, there are hopes worth hoping. Holy Communion is part of who we were part of who we are, and who we will be. Those of you who know me well know that this time of isolation has been particularly difficult for me because I am a planner. I am tended toward future orientation. I love dreaming big dreams with folks. It's part of what I love best about my job, sitting with vestry members and the clergy and the staff and other leaders and, and asking Where do we think God might be calling us to serve next? I love that part of my job, so this time of uncertainty has me a bit unmoored. While planning is hard, it is important to remember the plans we have made and the why, the longing and the hope behind those plans. Over the last few years as a congregation, as we discerned what God might be inviting us to do, we developed plans together that led us toward planting another worship community in our midst. We knew that there were folks who were not well served by church. We knew there were folks with cognitive and sensory differences for whom sitting through an hour and 20 minutes of traditional church with bright lights, loud organ, long readings and sermons, we knew that for some folks this just didn't work. The stimulation is too much. The time for sitting and listening lasts too long. Today's service isn't exactly what we would do for grace gathering. I'd never preach this long. Lori wouldn't let me. But we hope you get a taste. You see, a little over a year ago now, First as seminarian, then as assistant rector, the Reverend Lori Anzalotti joined our congregation and continued the work of discernment. She brought together a group of leaders who have been praying and working and talking within our community. Plans have continued to unfold and to build a new afternoon worshiping community, open to folks of diverse ages, abilities, and faiths' journeys, We are learning from other churches across the country that have opened with a format of simple storytelling, interactive sensory specific engagement, and mellower acoustic music. And we're not done hoping. Even in the midst of quarantine, our church is asking how can we recognize Jesus? How can we recognize Jesus present in those who have been left out of our so called normalized spaces? How can we recognize Jesus in the delight of someone who hasn't been told to sit down and be quiet, but who has been allowed to dance, to play, to laugh in church? Can those who interact with the world differently also help us to recognize Christ's presence differently? Maybe we could let go of some of our need to control and micromanage. Maybe we could slow down. Maybe we could dance just a little bit more. We have had to reprogram a bit around grace gathering. As Lori said at the start of worship, we're not ready to begin this service in September. We don't even know yet what our typical services will look like in September. But I don't think God is done with this work. I, for one, don't believe we should hang up our hats. This hope is worth hoping. And this encounter on the road to Emmaus is part of the reason why. Because Jesus chooses to be known in such a simple act, the breaking of bread. There's one more story I want to tell. It's part of why I'm longing to break bread. It's part of why I know that wherever we are headed, I know that God will gather us around the table in fellowship again. The story comes from our presiding bishop. When he talks about Eucharist, he tells the story of the first time his father encountered communion in an Episcopal church. Bishop Curry is the first African-American to preside over the majority white Episcopal church. His mother was once one of the only black members of a majority white Episcopal congregation when they started dating, Bishop Curry's father was a licensed black Baptist preacher. In those days, in the heart of America, black folks and white folks did not worship together. Let's be honest, in most of America, they still don't. Holy Communion is an exception. And Bishop Curry tells the story that back in that congregation where his mom was a member, his father was astounded when he first saw communion with his bride-to-be. The priest first distributed the bread, the body of Christ given for thee. Then the priest came down the rail with a chalice. In those days, the priest distributed both elements. And in those days in America, white folks and black folks, they did not share the same section of the bus. They did not share the same schools or swimming pools. They didn't even share the same water fountains. Bishop Curry says, when his father saw that white and black parishioners were drinking from the same cup, sharing communion from the same cup. He knew something of God was happening. Bishop Curry describes the Eucharist as the sacrament that can overcome even the deepest estrangement. Eucharist The sacrament that can overcome even the deepest estrangement. Friends, I believe we will see Christ again as we gather around the table. I believe we will break bread together again because I believe that it's part of how God made us. Sharing bread drawing the circle wider and wider around the altar, bringing more and more people into that fellowship. It's part of how Jesus chooses to be present to us yesterday, today, and tomorrow. I don't know when, I don't know how. I'm frustrated by all I don't know, but I have faith. God is in the business of bringing people together. God is in the business of gathering people in. Jesus broke bread with his followers at the Last Supper before his death. And while he has changed, while he is in some ways recognizable, here in this story, at his first supper after the resurrection, he is back in the business of breaking bread. Now, God is also in the business of healing. And we believe that God wants us to do this in ways that are safe, that keep people healthy. We are a church that takes scripture seriously, and at the same time, we take science seriously. Holy Communion was the first congregation I know of to decide not to worship in person, and we may be one of the last churches in Missouri to make it back to in-person worship. We're going to take science seriously, but have faith. We will gather around God's table again, that table where all are welcome that table where the more wildly diverse the congregation that gathers, the more deeply we can recognize the face of God. We're not giving up on the work of reaching out. We're not giving up on the work of inviting folks in. We're not giving up the work of building God's fellowship because we've caught glimpses of the elusive work with God. There are hopes worth hoping, even still, because we believe God chooses to be known when folks gather together and break bread. So the question remains, the question drives us forward, even in this time, how do you recognize Jesus? Amen.